This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from the City University of New York. Today, COVID-19, the Italian experience. My guests are Alex Kentakalenis, assistant professor of Bocconi University, and Gabor Schering, postdoctoral student at Bocconi University. Our discussion was recorded on March 6th, 2020. All right, we are here recording on Friday, March the 6th, and the COVID-19 virus is about to descend on New York City. And, uh, you know, a lot of us here were wondering, you know, what's going on? What's in our future? And I thought, you know what? We got some access to people in the future. Why not find out what people are experiencing in Italy, which I suppose is where we're going to be in a couple weeks so uh, we have uh, Alex Kentakalenis, uh, an assistant professor of sociology at Bocconi University. Welcome, Alex. Hello, and thanks for having me. And Gabor Shearing, postdoctoral at Bocconi University as well. Welcome, Gabor. Hi, hello, and thanks. Alex, before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about Bocconi University and, and the city that it's, uh, that, it, that it's in? Where is it? So Bocconi University is one uh, of Italy's leading universities, and it is social science only, so primarily economics, but also political science and sociology. And it is based in Milan, which uh, is one of Italy's most exciting cities, but also the hotspot for the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, It really started uh, a few kilometers uh, south of Milan, the Italian outbreak. But uh, now the region that Milan is in, called Lombardy, is the region that has most COVID-19 cases. Are are either of you still in Bocconi right now, or have have you left? No, I'm at home. You're at, uh, G- Gabor, what's going on in Bocconi? Like, what, what what's it like outside? How do people feel? Are, are you going outside? Like, what's going on? Well, last time I was there in my office was quite a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm, as a postdoc, uh, you know, I'm more sort of flexible uh, and I can work from home. But teaching has been suspended at Bocconi, so I guess... Alex can stay at home as well without going to the university too frequently. And that's not just the universities, but every school around here in Milan. And I think in Lombardy and uh, and a couple of other regions around northern Italy, that the schools have been closed for the last two weeks, I think. And some other institutions like uh, some of the museums and uh, gyms and sports events have been cancelled mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so you can uh, you can feel this in, in a way it affects these these institutions. But then mm-hmm. on the other hand, the last time I was on the streets because I'm also staying at home, uh, trying to travel to Hungary in a few days and then trying to keep myself uh, <laughs> healthy. Uh, I don't want to end up in a quarantine. So the last time I went on the street, you know, uh, compared to what you can see uh, in the media, including so-called legacy media, Mm -hmm. I would say it's much better. So I haven't seen any zombies and (laughs) people weren't killing each other and uh, the stores were full. Uh, I could buy whatever I wanted. It was completely packed. So... uh, People were in a coffee, sitting, drinking, restaurants were open. 
so from, so from the perspective of the person who lives here, it's, I think, the situation is much better as it looks from right. maybe from the distance. But of mm -hmm. course, there's a huge number, huge drop in the number of tourists. And sure. that's something I think it hurts bars and restaurants in Milano in general. But I don't know what's your experience, Alex. So I actually left uh, Milan about uh, a week into the outbreak, partly because um, I don't have much uh, family or support structure in Milan. So um, I moved to Berlin uh, to visit friends and family. And the first week of the outbreak um, was quite an interesting experience. Basically, every day walking around was almost like a Sunday. You, you saw many kids uh, being around in parks and uh, going for ice cream, doing the normal things. But um, over time, as uh, as the days uh, progressed, uh, my experience was it was getting the city was getting emptier and emptier, and in particular, the university became um, uh, completely uh, completely empty. All of the students were advised to stay home. We as faculty have access to our offices, but uh, we were asked to suspend all meetings or hold them mm -hmm. uh, online. All um, talks and presentations at the university were also canceled and will be canceled until early April. So uh, faculty basically stopped going to the offices. Uh, many people uh, live outside the city of Milan, so, so stayed at home. Uh, so actually going to the office was going to uh, a building that was operating at around 20% capacity uh, or so. So things quieted down very rapidly. Of course, uh, teaching-wise, life changed, partly because initially we weren't sure what was going to happen. The, the university closed down for just one week. So we all thought that we would just reschedule the classes for uh, later in the semester. Uh, but uh, soon it became clear that the university would be closed for several weeks. And, and we had to shift to a model of uh, teaching online, uh, whether it is uh, live with students um, uh, participating online or recording lectures and uploading them for students to to watch um, at their leisure. And this, uh, this will now be expanded and will uh, last for the remainder of the term, regardless of whether the university huh. opens. And that is because uh, Bocconi University has many exchange students, as many other Italian university students, who have been recalled uh, to their home countries or home universities. So I, I have just been receiving emails from my American students who were in Milan on exchanges that uh, they have to leave today, basically, was their, uh, the day of departure and uh, their universities uh, called them back. So, so there's a bit of uncertainty around that. But uh, I guess these are things that are worked out both at the university level and uh, more centrally uh, at the level of uh, the region or the, the Ministry of Education about uh, how to handle uh, the situation with schools and universities as well. So wait, just so I can bring it back. So currently, Bocconi, you're telling me in Bocconi, people are going to restaurants, you can buy everything that you need. 
There's no sense of panic or dead bodies lying on the street. <laughs> However, the university has shut down its operations to or move them online rather than shut down. Yeah, they move them online for the remainder of the semester. And basically people aren't using the central Bocconi facilities, but rather trying to conduct the remainder of the semester's business through the internet. Is that- So um, the university might reopen uh, when the appropriate health authorities deem it uh, appropriate uh, for it to reopen. Uh, yeah. It is at the moment closed for the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, okay. So the next weeks of the next week of classes plus the the week of midterm exams uh, following that. Uh, so we might start teaching live again, but even okay. then we would uh, follow um, a model where we teach in person, but also record the lectures for the students, the international students in particular who had to leave the country and find it difficult to return. So so it's a two track model, so to speak. How close, in a sort of social network sense, have you guys come to uh, infections? Uh, like, uh, has anybody in the department been quarantined, or has there been any students or anything like that? I don't know personally anyone, but yeah. And not to my knowledge, but of course, uh, the big question mark here has to do with the incubation period for the virus. It takes right. two or maybe two weeks or maybe even a bit longer. So, so it might take a while until we know whether we have been yeah. in contact. But there have been no cases uh, at the university that yeah. I am aware of. So the, the center has been so far from the perspective of Milano, luckily, but also epidemiologically, it's it's better, it's easier to handle that it's outside the the city itself. So, uh, but it's spreading. But it started from a town which is around 50 kilometers from Milano, which has been locked down since then with a couple of other towns in the region. But it nevertheless spread. The last time I checked, there were around 3,000 cases uh, in Italy, if, I, if I'm correct, but I, I don't know the figure by heart. And then around 2,000 in, in Lombardy itself. So this is, this is the region where, where Milano is, uh, mm -hmm. is located. But then the number of cases actually in Milano is, is much, much, much lower. So, for example, the next big town close to Milano is Bergamo. And there you have much more uh, cases, I think, around 10 times more, uh, as much as in, as in Milano. I think in Milano it, it could be around 70 cases so far, identified, of course. There could be, right. there could be, there could be uh, more, more than that. And, of course, the goal of the authorities is to avoid shutting down Milano as much as possible, like, or getting it quarantined or, or anything like that, because it would be really a disaster, not just for people living in Milano, but, but for, for Italy as a whole, you know, it's, it's basically one of the key economic engines and culture and whatever. It's a central town in, in, uh, in Italy and they, and they want to, uh, uh, want to avoid, uh, want to avoid that. So that's why I'm saying if you live in Milano so far as, as just a regular person living here, you feel it much less. You you, you mostly uh, uh, 
encounter uh, the virus through the news, I would say, mm. and uh, and through through Bocconi being uh, well, not shut down, but teaching uh, cancelled, mm. and gyms uh, closed down, which is which is annoying as well. <laughs> you mm. can survive that. Uh, sorry, can I add something uh, basically on the data issues uh, that uh, Gabor mentioned? Because new data have been have been around announced today, and across the country, uh, there have been uh, more than four thousand six hundred cases and nearly two hundred dead. Uh, Lombardy, where Milan is, has been the region most affected, although not the city of uh, Milan itself. Uh, it's mostly, in, as Gabor mentioned, in nearby cities. How aggressively has the government been testing? I, I don't know if you've heard, but here in the United States, we have a, a testing disaster where there's, yeah. there's effectively no testing being held here. Uh, how, was it very different in Italy or? Uh, as far as I know, they started out once patient one was found uh they started to test quite aggressively they they ran a, I, I don't remember the numbers but quite a large number uh they they are telling that they they did the most tests uh in a, compared to more, more than any other country in, in in europe so they were testing quite aggressively that's why the number went up from basically one to 200 or right. just a weekend when when they figure out that that there is actually a case but one interesting thing is that i, I just encountered this amazing research done by uh, some american uh, scientists on on how the virus spread uh, and uh, you know most people thought that and uh, that that basically it arrived to to italy from china and then from italy to to other countries in europe but then uh, as as the data shows now, it's spread basically around in a much more diverse way. So it's quite likely that it arrived in Germany sometimes in in uh, in, in mid January. They thought that they it, 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 they they managed to, uh, to to curtail an outbreak then, but then it's quite likely that that it spread around. It also quite likely that another strain arrived to Italy from Brazil. And they never managed to find patient zero in in Italy, and that, that's why I think it it got out of hand because they were, you know, focusing on people from China, but mm -hmm. it's quite likely that it arrived to Italy from other uh, countries. Very interesting. So, in part, are are we to believe that part of the reason why we're seeing really high counts in South Korea? And Italy may be partly just because testing is aggressive there, and there may be more cases that are circulating in other countries, but they don't register in the counts because the testing regime isn't as aggressive. Is that the? Is that my? That's my understanding. Am I off on that, or, or is it hard uh, to say? I'm not really in a position to, <laughs> to yeah. tell this. Sure. My impression is is just like a like a simple human being is that there might be a difference. At least that's what Italian authorities keep on saying, that they have been testing very aggressively. And right. compared to the news that I read about the US, I would say that they were testing much more aggressively. But it's also, I think, true that 
the, the, the virus has been spreading sort of silently for a few weeks in Italy before they, they realized. So there is not just that it's detected more, but it, it hit the country more than, than many other countries because it was spreading around, mostly because it didn't arrive through through directly from China and, and hmm. they, 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 they never managed to catch it. The same happened in Seattle, according to this research. And yeah. you have looked at it. Uh, so it's, it, it's been spreading around in Seattle for, for weeks and weeks, uh, without, uh, being noticed so, or, or undetected. Do you feel, do you sense any changes in everyday life? Uh, as it's lived out by people in response to the COVID nineteen, like have the rhythms of life changed at all? Uh, Gabor, I got, I got the I got the sense that uh, it, it, life hasn't changed at all. But is there anything you feel like even at this point, I can feel it in New York? You know the no, I wouldn't the, say it, it hasn't changed. Uh, I, I like Alex's uh, uh, comparison of you know that it's uh, it's just, it, it feels a bit like Sunday. So uh, maybe a Sunday in early summer, except for the weather, when Italy star or Milano starts to get emptier and emptier, and people leave. So you can see that that the number of people on the streets have, has has gone down. Obviously, you can see the number of people in bars has gone down as well. Uh, I live in, in in an area called Navigli, which is sort of a trendy neighborhood with, with with a lot of bars and, and pubs uh which are open but but definitely uh definitely less people but then again if i look you know at the at the news the, the, the way they are showing all these empty shops and i don't know it's like the, the description is as if it's really the end of the world and we and we're in the midst of a zombie apocalypse or something yeah. like that so that's really far from from how how it feels uh, like here. Yeah, I think life has actually changed quite drastically for uh, everyone with children because immediately they're homebound essentially they, they cannot yeah. uh, they cannot go to work and and now the government is debate, debating measures for helping these families and um, and businesses that have been adversely affected. So, so life has changed pretty dramatically for parents. Beyond that, uh, while I uh, support what uh, Gabor said before about supermarkets not being emptied out uh, completely, you know, you you observe things like shortages of disinfectants, uh, mm. or even when I was there. Um, I kept hearing stories of pharmacies uh, selling individual face masks, uh, you know, the one that supposedly uh, prevent um, uh, prevent the transmission of the virus, although it's not quite clear from the evidence that uh, they do actually protect uh, healthy people. But immediately pharmacies started increasing the prices uh, sure. of these masks. So, so you see these uh, small changes that capitalize on people's fear. Uh, and, and at least when I was trying to find uh, disinfectants, it was very hard at the supermarket. Yeah. And I, I imagine something like that would happen very soon uh, in the US where I am in Germany at the moment. Uh, there is a similar uh, all of the disinfectants have run out from yeah. pharmacies and supermarkets. I've just read a post from a friend of mine from uh, from Hungary, my, my 
home country, uh, the same story about uh, it was trying to chase down these disinfectants and, and they didn't manage to find any. In, uh, in northern New Jersey, the local stores are out of even 99% rubbing alcohol. Or, um, there's some very basic things. And you can't get it on Amazon even through uh, reliable dealers. So there's a definite run run on the market of uh, all of these products. Uh, so it's been very interesting. Before we let you go, I, I know I promised that I wouldn't have you on too long. Uh, I'm very grateful for the time you gave me. Uh, can you just give give all of us in the United States, you know, your best your your best pieces of wisdom that you've acquired in the past uh, couple weeks? Well, what would you advise to you know your colleagues over here? Do not panic. Wash your hands and don't touch your face, and everything will be okay. <laughs> Gabor? Yeah, these are very wise words. I don't know if I can add anything. Uh, do not panic and. Uh, Please help uh, others uh, avoid panicking. All right. Thank you very much. That was uh, Alex uh, Kentakalenis and uh, Gabor Shearing of Bocconi University. Thank you very much for talking to me, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. You've been listening to the Annex uh, Sociology Podcast. Special thank you to Alex Kentakalenis and Gabor Shearing from Bocconi University. We're on the web, sociocast.org slash Annex, on Twitter, at Annex, and on Facebook, the Annex Sociology Podcast. Our producer is Laseth Moreno. Music by Lena Orsa. I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.